Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. No time on the clock. The Patriots have won Super Bowl 36. It's a quick throw. And it's So you might think you know the drill here on Pat's Interference three weeks into the season. Tuesday morning episode, we're doing film review. Everything that I have charted and calculated and tabulated from the game on Sunday. All right, all my film notes, stuff that's not even in the full write-up on bostonherald.com, usually almost 2,000 words and offense, defense, duds, duds, analytics, whatever, what have you. But today you'd be wrong. We are going to start, folks, with the mailbag segment. Normally our closer, three to four questions, knock them all out, send you on your way home. Today we're opening with three great questions about Mac Jones and his future with a high ankle sprain. The Patriots and their past with that loss to the Ravens, 37-26 at Gillette. Kind of a bummer. And the president of the team, what the hell does Brian Hoyer-led offense look like? But I got to tell you, I'm going to answer these questions, all three of them, in the same fashion. By saying, I'm just trying to take things day to day. Yeah, I'm just really day by day. I'm going day to day. Um, you know, tomorrow's going to be a day. I'm going to live that day, 24 hours. Day by day, focus on the treatment plan. Take what's next. Any Patriots-related questions can go to Bill Belichick. You know, you know how much he loves those. Because that's all we got. That is all we got for Mac Jones and talking to him about three, four hours ago as I record this on a Monday night. We talked to him on Monday because, again, the Patriots canceled this post-game press conference on Sunday. Guy's dealing with a serious injury. Totally get it. He was nowhere to be found, not in the locker room, not at the podiums that were left. Bouncing around asking all of his teammates, what's it mean? What do you think? How things are going to go? Mostly everybody is mom, but no one was as mom as Mac was, who wouldn't answer questions, you know, about even what it felt like <laughs> to have high ankle sprain. Admittedly, not a great question. Wasn't mine. I wanted to know if he wanted to get a second opinion, which was reported today by the NFL Network. Didn't touch that, even though it pertained to what he was doing, living today, day by day. Um, certainly not about his future, though. It's safe to say we can rule him out. Sunday at Green Bay because high ankle sprains are serious. And that is supposedly why the Patriots and Mac Jones are kind of deliberating about what he wants to do moving forward. Surgery is certainly an option. And if you haven't read on the bostonherald.com, you should check out Karen Garigian's great piece. She called up Dr. Jessica Flynn, a sports medicine doctor, works out at a hospital in Burlington. Probably know her as Doc Flynn on Twitter. And they went over the basics of high ankle sprains, which typically take at least a month for recovery. And that's either best case scenario. Or if you undergo tightrope surgery, something Mac is very familiar with from his time at Alabama, where in 2019, he's still with Jalen Hurts. He's still backing up to a tug of Iloa. And both of them had high ankle sprains, underwent their surgery called tightrope, and were back within four weeks. Now, that's not clear right now. That's Max. 
best case scenario. And even still, he could go on IR where of course you need to miss at least four games, but we know he has a high ankle sprain. We know he's going to miss around a month, if not more. So what I would say is a read that piece, B understand it's not a one for one with Jones as we continue to get some more details out here, but four to six weeks, if we stick with that timeline could be even eight puts him on track to return about week eight at the jets on October 30th. That's best case scenario with or without IR probably. Then they go back home week nine versus the Colts on November 6th. Then they have the bye week. Okay. So as we kind of go through this stretch before then the Patriots play Sunday at green Bay, as we just mentioned, come home versus Detroit week five, week six at Cleveland. Then they're home again against the bears on a Monday night game on October 24th. This is the stretch that is probably going to determine whether or not they can continue as a fringe playoff team are going to go into the tank when Mac Jones comes back. And there's still probably about a 500 team with decent talent that just can't get it together due to injuries, coaching staff, all the stuff you've been following around. So the only game of that four game stretch, again, at green Bay versus Detroit at Cleveland versus Chicago, the only game where they should be healthy favorites is versus the bears. Okay. So let's play this out. Worst case scenario on the field. Best case scenario, health-wise. The Patriots go one and three. Jones comes back for that first Jets game in, well, New Jersey, on October 30th. They are two and five. There is technically still a window in there with two games against the Jets, October 30th, and then after the bye week on November 20th, where they could beat the Jets, come home, play the Colts, beat them, bye, beat the Jets again, move to five and five. That's great. Then they go to Minnesota, though, on a short week and play on Thanksgiving. And look, we don't know a whole lot about football right now. We're going to learn a whole lot more over the next two months. But in no way, shape, or form is that going to be an easy game going on the road facing a decent team, talented on both sides of the ball, on a short week. What's even tougher is going to be facing Buffalo twice, Miami again, going to Vegas on the road. Yes, they're 0-3. Cincinnati here. Okay, not great. So let's go best case scenario then, worst case health-wise. Instead of being two and five, let's put the Patriots, let's not even say three and four, let's say four and three, okay? You lose at Green Bay, you squeak one out against Detroit, win like nine to six at Cleveland and beat the Bears. So you're four and three, but Mac Jones needs an extra couple of days. I'm going to tell you, you can't keep squeaking games out every single week. So Let's say you lose at the Jets. You're still about four and four, maybe even five and three, but you're not going to beat the Colts who just beat the Chiefs for yet another reminder that we know nothing. So you're still in that 500 zone by the time he comes back after the bye week for said Jets game on November 20th. Let's say they win it. Six and four, going to Minnesota. Great. Again, you still have to face the Vikings on a short week on the road. Buffalo twice, Miami, Vegas on the road, Cincinnati, not great. It's not impossible But because of this injury, you are unlikely to maximize this entire window, whether Mac Jones is going to miss just four weeks or six or even seven because of the high ankle sprain. That's just the reality of the situation. So what really happens here is, before we rule out everything down the road and everything in the future, the two games that might ultimately determine whether the Patriots remain a fringe playoff team or get their ticket punched a little early and get put to bed is versus Detroit and at Cleveland. And yeah, sure, they can win against Green Bay, okay? I'm not going to put any money on it. This is going to be the first first time, well, second time they're a double-digit underdog 
in the Belichick era. The only other time happened to be when Brian Hoyer was starting on the road to Kansas City in 2020 after Cam Newton got COVID. But you look at those games versus Detroit and at Cleveland, likely to be coin flip games. Around two games bookended, a probable loss and a probable win over the Bears. You need to get both of them to tread water. Because you started two and one, you need to be on the way up. Obviously, with Mac Jones getting hurt, you're on the way down. And you're playing nine road games this year with a backloaded division schedule and one of the tougher divisions now. And not only just football, but in the AFC. So again, I'm not saying the Jets won't be there as a nice stepping stone for Mac Jones to come back. I'm just saying you'd so much rather be four and three and need it to be that way, given the back half of your schedule, than two and five, which feels like worst case on the field, but best case health-wise. And it's unlikely you're going to get both of those on the way up in terms of winning on the field without Mac and Mac being back in time. But we'll have more details. Just don't ask him about it. So let's move on to the game. Patriots, as I mentioned, lose 37-26. I wrote for the Herald that this is probably the most useless game film they're going to put out there um, of the entire season. And part of that is it's week three. September is incredibly random. Part of it is Lamar Jackson is a unicorn. This is the dude who ran for 100 yards against the Bill Belichick Patriots defense um, and was the only one to do it as a quarterback ever. Also someone who might be back in the MVP race. The system he also operates is something that Devin McCourty compared to a triple option offense in college because of all of their different motions and shifts and their option runs. And you go back and look, as I tweeted about his last touchdown, it was a nine yard run. It's a quarterback counter with the guard and tackle pulling in the back going away from all this blocking. So it's not just that you have a quarterback run, not unique, but certainly uncommon in the NFL. It's not just that you have an option or a read involved in there. It's that the back is going away. The guy who normally gets the ball going in the opposite direction from those blockers that throws a lot of the eye discipline and all the focus for the Patriots. So Jackson scores in that nine yard run three plays before the Ravens ran that exact same play for 20 yards into the first half. Got it later, but I'm skipping over the good because we're going to start with the good bad last week. It was, um, God, I don't remember what we said, but it was uh, game balls. We gave out game balls this week. It's, we need to talk. The Patriots ultimately had some issues on defense that were useless things that are not should not crop up again, even for all that motion and shifts and running. They didn't miss many tackles, just five. This is a good, sound, fundamental tackling defense. I talked about it last week as being high floor. I think the floor is still there. I think the ceiling, of course, has probably come down a little bit, but let's put that to the side. Offensively, your problems are still the same that they were, which is annoying given that they're largely under control. Nelson Aguilar, hold on to the ball a little bit tighter. Mac Jones, try not to fit that throw into Devontae Parker off play action. Devontae Parker, catch catch the audible before you go into the end zone. Don't really run around. Again, we might as well just do the bad. This is, this is most of the bad. The bottom line is the Patriots offense is on the way up. The mistakes that they made are things we either already know or aren't new. So that's where they are. This tape, I wouldn't spend a whole lot of time fretting about it. Of course, everyone's focused on Brian Hoyer when Mac Jones might come back anyway, but that's where we're at. As far as the bad, um, okay, we're going to go back and forth. I, I just... We'll do the good first because I touched on the bad. You know what's going to come. The good. Jonathan Jones, interception, forced fumble, only two allowed catches. This is a dude who was running all over the field with guys who don't have Tyree Kill speed. And Jonathan Jones, obviously very familiar with Tyree Kill. This is a guy who was running with guys with close to Tyree Kill speed. Rashad Bateman, Devin Duvernay. You saw Duvernay's long uh, punt return. Okay. Jonathan Jones held his own. And he made some of the biggest plays in this game 
not only stopping the Ravens in the first half with that pick, but the forced fumble in the second. Just imagine where they would have been if not for Jonathan Jones or Dietrich Wise, three sacks. I feel like I don't have to say anymore after that. But Dietrich Wise is, again, still playing upwards of 70 to 75% of the snaps. The last two weeks, it was over 80. So this is a guy who's facing a difficult offense. He's creating pressure on his own, albeit against a backup left tackle, and staying out there on the field, chasing around some of the best athletes in the NFL. Devontae Parker mentioned he missed an audible. We'll get to that in a second. In the meantime, five catches, 156 yards. Welcome back, sir. He wins on a go route in the first half, an over route. He wins another go route in the second half and then a back shoulder. That's how you get to 156 in just five catches. You don't see it a whole lot. Ramondre Stevenson, also in the good. He had five broken tackles on 17 touches. That's just below 30%, way ahead of Damian Harris. He was excellent as a pass catcher, pretty solid in pass protection, and that's where he's going to be mostly if the Patriots start to alternate or go in two minutes. But as far as Sunday went, he and Harris were alternating drives. Up front, more good. Run blocking was excellent. Power and counter. The Patriots ran two outside zone plays. You can probably guess how that went. Uh, two carries for minus one yard. But look, they charged out 145 yards at 5.2 yards per carry. That comes down just to 5.1 if you take out Mac and his scrambles. A lot of that was due to yards after contact with Stevenson. But a lot of the yards that Damian Harris got, um, those were ones that they had kind of cleared the way. So much, much better than we saw two weeks ago and certainly leaps and bounds better than we saw in the summer with this offensive line. That was the good. Okay, <laughs> for the bad. Um, Parker, just to wrap him up, you look at the end zone interception that Mac Jones had, and Phil Perry had a good breakdown on this, and this is something that I checked in on. It's exactly as Phil said, that Mac Jones had called an audible at the line. Everyone was on the same page. Then he, quote, reloads, which means we're going back to the original play. Parker didn't know. So Mac had reloaded because he anticipated and saw incoming all-out pressure. Ball is snapped. Here comes the blitz. Mac Jones fades away, and he lost the ball in the back left corner of the end zone where, where Parker was the only receiver. And it looked like Parker should have run a corner. Instead, he just kind of like fake blocks, goes straight up the field, isn't there with the ball. Congrats to Marlon Humphrey. That ball is yours. That pick was the most untimely for the Patriots by far, because even a field goal there draws you within two. And then, of course, two, field goal puts you ahead. Touchdown puts you ahead right there on the spot. The Patriots can't have that, but they're clearly still suffering from some communication issues. And it's not just on the offensive line. It's plays like that with Parker, who also missed some checks in Pittsburgh. So I'd love to celebrate the 156 yards. I mean, that's what kept them going downfield. The Ravens played even as I was charting this uh, last night, more man-to-man -man coverage in early downs that we had seen from them, certainly in week one and week two. And as far as I can remember, watching a lot of Ravens defenses in recent years. And that's them saying what every opponent said to the Patriots the last, last year or two is just, we're going to play a one-on-one. -on -one. Beat us. Well, the Patriots did, largely thanks to Devontae Parker in his 156 yards with one play action over the goal routes, everything that I just said in the back shoulder. So the more that they can keep doing that, the more they can dictate terms to defenses that really for the last year and a half have been dictating to them. But a lot of that gets erased out by an interception in the end zone that literally takes points off the board because you can imagine how the last part of that game would have gone if the Patriots obviously had a lead. Hey guys, just a quick break to remind you something you already know. Football is 
back. And Bet Online is still your number one source for all your NFL and college football betting needs this season. Find all the latest odds, news, and game matchups right up to the minute at betonline.ag. It is your continued source for all your wagering information, including live betting, free contests, and live scores. It is always the fastest and always the easiest way to bet on your favorite sports, even beyond football. Look to the MLB playoffs, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Yes, they're still playing golf out there. So head online to betonline.ag. Join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That's 50%, 5-0. Make sure to use the promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Again, that's betonline.ag, where the game starts. Sticking in the red zone, Matt Patricia, boy. Um, I, I don't, this is not a game where we can, I or think should bang the drum bang the drum on Matt Patricia. You can have your uh, complaints. I certainly have had mine, but this game boiled down to turnovers. Mac Jones forcing the ball, Parker missing an audible, Nelson Aguilar not holding onto the ball. Matt Patricia doesn't coach all of those positions. And they almost had over 500 yards. Like that's, that's a good, largely offensive day. The problem was when they get in there, and this was on the two-point conversion, uh, reminder, Stevenson goes in motion right behind a tight bunch to the right. So you have three receivers all lined right next to the line of scrimmage. All the Ravens are close. Everyone's right there in the same spot. The idea was to pass the ball to Ramondre Stevenson, who would then run behind those receivers who are right next to the entire Ravens defense. And somehow Stevenson was supposed to find a lane. Now you can say like, oh, it's one bad, one, one bad play. It's a two-point diversion. You're right. The trouble was that was within a larger family of plays that kind of failed the Patriots when you look at the film and specifically in key situations, because that play is some form of a shield screen, self-explanatory. It's a screen. You throw it at or behind the line of scrimmage, let the receiver or pass catcher do the rest. And in this case, you had a big shield, a wall of blockers. If you want to go back, this is not the exact same play design because you had Danny Amendola coming in motion, but I think it was the last two point conversion. The Patriots got, um, when they played the Falcons, and of course, the greatest Super Bowl comeback ever in that Super Bowl. He's coming in from the left, catches it right behind a whole parade of blockers, gets in there. It's the same idea. And when you go back to the fourth and three in the first half where they turn the ball, ball over on downs, Mac Jones is throwing to Kendrick Bourne, who's running in motion out to the left flat with one blocker in Hunter Henry, who gives up the block pretty quickly. And Bourne's guy's right there to make the tackle because like that play to Stevenson, it was into the short side of the field. And you can't block that far down. Otherwise, it's offensive pass interference. Then the last one was a dropped interception in the red zone where Mac is throwing a similar concept. And instead of this time, Kendrick Bourne going in motion to the left, which was also happened to be in this instance, the boundary, the short side of the field. It's Damian Harris from the backfield and Hunter Henry, again, trying to block for him. And and this was, I think it was after um, Devontae Parker's back shoulder because Mac Jones is rushing everyone to the line. And they scored a touchdown to run Mondre Stevenson off the right side on play later. But in this particular instance, you remember, this is the one that went right into, I think it was Patrick Queen or, or someone dropped this ball. He's hurrying everyone up to the line. Harris runs a short flat right out to the left. Hunter Henry's trying to block. But those receivers, there were two of them. There were three defenders on that side of the ball. So Mac Jones is rushing into a disadvantageous situation but then also there's no block there and you're outnumbered so part of this is play design and it's timing but as Matt Patricia in those key spots you're trying to scheme open your players who we've talked about this many times need help getting open he didn't do a good enough job of that on Sunday um 
defense. Okay. This was, this was bad linebacker play. Absolutely brutal against Lamar Jackson. I get everything that I just talked about motions, trades, shifts, reads, Lamar, all of it. Mac Wilson started again this week. He didn't have a tipped interception. Um, you know, tip ball that resulted in an interception. Juwan Bellamy, one of the best run-stuffing linebackers, you know, in the league. Neither of them did what we've seen them do last week or over their careers. The quarterback run game devastated the Patriots. And I talked about Lamar with this counter run that scored the last touchdown, 20-yard run. He had over a 20-yard run in the first half after the same design. I mean, you know, let's put it this way. Juwan Bellamy had four tackles in 56 defensive snaps. The Ravens averaged... 7.2 yards per carry. At some point, you don't need to say much more than that, considering how often those players were on the field and failed to make an impact. Mac Wilson got benched in the second half for Jelani Tavai after having bad eyes, which coaches can throw around about terms or even, you know, folks like us on a podcast. Sometimes bad eyes is meaning you're looking at the wrong key, like the fullback who on the scouting report, you know, is the guy who's going to lead you in the direction of play in 95% of the time when the quarterback's under center and you just happen to look at the quarterback instead. Other times it means your bad eyes are taking you in a spot you shouldn't go. And Mac Wilson for too long was looking at ball carriers that didn't have the ball. And there goes Lamar Jackson back the other way. And that's what got them screwed up. I mean, it was just gross. The second level play, when you start about fitting those quarterback runs, that's what was missing. Guys either maintaining their gap discipline to say, I'm going to have you know left side a gap and then fit that as the play develops and stay in that spot or to follow and just simply find the ball. It was it was bad. I think they'll get it fixed. You don't see many games where Juwan Bentley is struggling against the run, but it was really bad. Last one, um, this is the folks that, you know, we need to talk the, the opposite of the game balls. We need to talk Nelson Aguilar. The fumbles, look, it's bad timing, but baby, you got to hold on to that rock. I mean, Julian Edelman is tweeting midway through this game. Ball security is job security. If you don't want to take it from me, take it from him. The fumble at Miami was a killer. This one of the fourth quarter, down by five, five minutes remaining, breaking into the open in midfield. You can't lose that fumble. High and tight, tighter than you think you need, because otherwise he'll be on the bench. And for folks at home who want Kendrick Bourne to be on the field, Nelson Aguilar is the guy you got to watch. It's not little Jordan Humphrey who's playing a different role. Little Jordan Humphrey is someone that the Patriots see as someone that, you know, they can play 11 personnel with three receivers or 12 personnel with two tight ends. Because Humphrey is 6'4", 230, okay? And he plays like that size in both the good ways as a tight end and as a receiver. You could argue about the wisdom of, of playing Humphrey more than 50 snaps, but if Bourne's going to come on the field for someone, it's not going to be Humphrey because he doesn't play this kind of half tight end, half receiver role. He plays Z sometimes in the slot, and that's where Nelson Aguilar is. So that's someone to watch where their snaps go because Parker – even after, again, a miscommunication pre-snap, is not coming off the field after a 156-yard gain. Jacoby Myers might be coming back from a knee injury. I've heard he might need another week. Uh, but Nelson Aguilar might. And if that happens, then that's where Kendrick Bourne will get on the field. Let alone, don't forget, Tyquan Thornton uh, will technically be eligible to come off IR starting next week. Okay, new segment we debuted last week. What would NFL film say? Uh, this was a bit more fun after a win, and we get the old Patriots, Steelers, and the physicality and the history and the franchise, blah, 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 blah. But we can still have some fun with this. And for the folks who didn't listen last week, what would NFL films say is kind of if you just sit and think, which we, we never know until more time passes, right? Like the opener against Miami was the first 
hint that, okay, you know, even if you didn't believe all the training camp reports, offense isn't going to go well. Okay. Seven points says most of it. You only allow 13 offensive points. The Dolphins, you lose, can't have it. They lose there all the time. Nothing new. This week, I think you look at this game as obviously a big turning point in the season. There's no question about it. I don't think you see a ton of game highlights. You probably start in this retroactive story about the Patriots 2022 season. When we get to this game, what would NFL Films say? You start with Vince Wilfork, okay? Guy who played his best against the Ravens. You're going to get a clip of Will Fork as they kind of build up this game week three coming off the Steelers when they continue in the AFC North. And with the help from a little old friend, Vince Wilfork, whose best game was the AFC Championship game in 2012. The list of stats show highlight. And then right to, to Vince as he was giving a pep talk to the defensive lineman pregame. And boom, you're just going to have physicality. And they'll say, you know, though the, though the series had cooled, maybe the, uh, the embers of rivalry are still burn hot for three quarters. And Dietrich Wise sacked. Then another Dietrich Wise sack. And then Mac goes down and gets sacked. Big Parker completion. Touchdown to Mark Andrews. They probably skip Mac Jones' three interceptions and go straight to him having 300-plus yards. Because, again, this is a, a hypothetical, theoretical NFL films, you know, uh, show or tape about the 2022 season. And they go to the near comebacks and the tough fumbles and everything's about, you know, the last drive and they skip to 37, 26 in the scoreboard. And then it's about the injury, right? I mean, you get clips of Mac slow motion coming out, pain in his face, hopping off the field, you know, and it casts a real Paul on the locker room. And then you go to the locker. Damian Harris is talking about it. Matt Judon at the podium is saying he'd ride with 10 anywhere. And in the meantime, you know, they transition and go in the meantime, the Patriots with an uncertain future, you know, probably, uh, you know, go, go back in time to, to Green Bay and Lambeau Field to face Aaron Rodgers, who they hadn't seen since 2018. So obviously, Mac Jones is the obvious storyline here. We don't know what the next installment of this, again, NFL Films documentary would be. It's a lot of Mac Jones stuff, but I think it gets back to, you know, kind of what NFL Films does best, a, a mix of nostalgia with the history with Vince. You know, the big plays that were there, a lot of highlights. I mean, this was a game that felt like it was going to deliver right up until the last, you know, three minutes. And obviously the injury becomes a big story. So because we don't know how long Mac Jones is going to be out, is this the turning stone or turning stone? The 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 turning point where the season really goes downhill fast, or is it just a bump in the road? We'll just have to find out and keep watching this fake NFL film stock. Okay. On to the real mailbag. Tease from the beginning. Uh, and the first big blatant lie here in Pat's interference. Um, this is what we had this week. Jonathan Gutierrez wants to know what chance do you give the pass to survive this stretch without Mac? Me personally, 0%. Uh, Mr. Positivity, Jonathan. Uh, look, I, it depends on your definition to survive, right? You know, if we're talking four and three, I would put that at very low because that means at least three and one over that stretch. I said two and two is really what you've got to do, you know, winning at least one of uh, Detroit and Cleveland and then coming home and beating the Bears. I think they can do it. I, I, I put it at 40% probably because I think so many of these games might've come down just a play or two anyway. And when your quarterback's Brian Hoyer, who knows a lot about the offense can probably protect the ball, but we all saw his last start in 2020. It was not pretty since then it went nine of 11 last year in mop up duty, but I'd say 40%. And even then two and two after a one and two start big math here, you're three and four going on the road against the jets. Do you feel like you've survived? Technically, you have, but no one probably feels great about that. So that's really uh, where I'm at. Darren Witzgall wants to know, it seems like Mac Jones has been predetermining his throws and not going through his progressions and or checking the ball enough. Have you seen anything similar? Yes. Uh, last episode talked about this, where he's predetermining throws, uh, pre-snap, one of which was forced to Johnny Smith, the third down. 
in completion. Another uh, matchup he had with Devontae Parker in the opener when he threw that interception. He saw the pressure incoming, wants a one-on-one with Parker. Not a bad idea in theory, uh, but when in reality, Parker is across from Xavier Howard, probably wouldn't pick on that matchup. So yeah, there's definitely a part of this. The decision-making has been uh, atypical for Mac, who came in and played as advertised. Sharp, accurate, smart guy, protects the ball. It's just not been there. I mean, pro football focus had his turnover-worthy plays at 9.5% coming off that game. We had three picks and another one that got dropped. So for him, it, it just can't continue. I think part of that is obviously a function of the new offense, trusting his protection, which seems to have come along. Uh, the receivers to get open, which is evolving. But beyond that, no question. I mean, he, he's trying to use his superpower, part of this pre-snap processing to make up for what might be some trouble after the snap and then kind of creating some trouble for himself. So anyway, the Patriots face a lot of trouble without him. Um, we will wait for more details. Until then, we will see you on Friday with a preview of Patriots Packers. You can say what you want about Brian Hoyer versus Aaron Rodgers. Patriots only go to Green Bay once every eight years. This should be fun. I would say once we kind of come down from the couple of days of, you know, despair on the outside and everyone has to wonder what's going to happen as the season on the toilet, blah, blah, blah. At least enjoy the swirl on the way down, okay? It goes pretty slowly. In the meantime, Green Bay in October is going to be a great place to watch the game, even if you're at home. So until then, do your best to live day by day, day to day. Just, just take your treatment one day at a time.